Well, as we turn to the word of God, the precious word of God, we're going to look at John chapter 15, in particular to take note of verse 16. Sometimes difficult, the word of God to understand. Let's open it up and see how it speaks to us. Verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are given here an insight, a view of a conversation. A conversation that brings forth some teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the upper room. We're in the upper room in John chapter 15. These are not my words, which I have just spoken. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit remain. These are are the words that were indelibly written into the heart and mind of the Apostle John. And we can somehow see the Apostle John with the pen in the hand writing these words, but we know that his hand was moved and directed by God, the Holy Spirit. Holy men of old, wrote as they were moved by the Spirit of God. John is here revealing to us things sometimes hard to understand, hard to accept, because our choices, and we feel we have rule over our choices, and our love and our understanding is sometimes flawed, and we cannot get to grips that there is uh, another that can make that choice for us. Well, here the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And that's God's love and understanding of his eternal plan of redemption. Do we find it unloving that God can choose? that he can choose, that he can elect certain ones to salvation, to holiness and not others. But we need to understand this. We need to understand this. And to understand this first, we have to understand that these come from the, the very lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'll ask you, What think ye of Christ Jesus? Is he a good man? Is he a man that shows compassion and love? Is he a man with high morals? Or is he God? Is he the express image of God? Does the Lord speak of himself? When the disciples saw him, who were they looking upon? 
Well, the Lord Jesus does not speak of himself. And if you turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 44, you will see uh, these things. The commandments, he speaks the commandments of the Father who sent him. And the commandment is life everlasting, which the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ speak as one. The Lord Jesus declares, I and my Father are one. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a good man. He's both God and man. Is that what Christ Jesus is to you? Is he perfect and sinless? How do we imagine sinlessness when we are sinful creatures? Can you get by a day or even an hour without knowing or feeling the weight of your sin? It's misery. When you look upon the pureness and the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, We yearn, don't we, each day to be like him. And all that day when we shall be with him, face to face, and we shall be like him, free from that misery of sin. What a joy that's set before us. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal son. United God and the Father are one. The triune God I speak of here is eternal. He ever was, is, and shall be Jehovah, self-existing before the foundation of the world, before anything was, God was. And he reveals himself more uh, through creation. We read, don't we, in Genesis, that word, in the beginning, God, Elohim which speaks of writing that first verse of a triune God, creating all things. And then we see that sad disobedience of Adam and Eve. The one who had free will to commune with God and yet became disobedient and broke his law. How wonderful it must have been to have that perfect communion with God. And yet the one commandment that he gave them, they broke. They become disobedient. He'd walk with them, he'd talk with them in the garden. And yet they defied him before all his creation. Just breaking that one law. And they and all creation fell. Should God have wiped Adam and Eve off the face of the earth? God is not like that. God shows to us that in judgment, he remembers mercy. And likewise should we. God remembered mercy to those rebels. He clothed them. He provided them with an access back to him with that great and precious promise of his son, of a seed. A seed who would bruise the serpent's heel. 
had conquering death because death and sin had entered in by the fall of man. God promised redemption and reconciliation through his son, Jesus Christ. For he would take the just punishment. That punishment which was from God. And that punishment which is deserved to every sinner. And Jesus Christ, God's son, would give himself wholly, lay down his life. Is that fair? Not only that, is death and resurrection promises life. It promises life to all that will believe or will be born again into a newness of life. No longer creatures of old under the works and Lord of God, but born again. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And your life, as it were, all those who are born again are in Christ Jesus. And this is the offer to all who believe. So, my friend, God's choice, God's election came at a cost, a price, the price that was paid for redemption. He paid it and paid it in full. So we can, can we object to God choosing, electing all those who repent and believe in God through Jesus Christ, the one who came not to condemn, but to save in judgment. He remembers mercy. He to save what from? We say that many times. I'm saved. Want you to be saved. Well, you saved from. You saved from a lost eternity. People are preaching today a gospel where God is love. God is love. But the wrath of God abides on the sinner every day, and that's what we should be concerned about. The wrath of God abides on those we love, those we have compassion for, those who know not Jesus Christ. But there's a way, there's a promise. And if today you know not Jesus Christ as your saviour and that wrath of God for your sin is weighing heavy on you, your guilt, your shame for all you have done, there's access, free access to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I urge you this moment, if you're weighted with those cares and woes of sin and misery of sin, cast them all on Jesus Christ. He will forgive you. And through the preaching of his word, it may be him that's calling you now. But you might say, I, I cannot come. I cannot come. My friend, if the Lord calls you, you have a responsibility. This moment, this moment now to come, today is a day of salvation. And you will come. You will come if God's calling. For God's calling is sure. And he knows all about you. And he knows your need 
of salvation. And he knows when the time is just right. See, you may wrestle like Jacob at the, at the brook Jabbok. Or you may, as it were, like Peter, who denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Your conscience may be wrestling with your life now. Not willing to let go of your sin. My friend, if God is calling you, you will cast them all away and you will come. You recall in the darkness, and that's where we are in our sin, in the darkness of our sin, Samuel heard the voice. Here am I. Here am I. We're in a darkness, my friend, if our sins are not forgiven. And when the Lord Jesus Christ calls, you will answer. Here am I. Here am I. You see, because his, his people will be willing in the day of his power. And the day of his power may be this day. Why does he call you? Because he has set his love upon you. How wonderful is that to know that? He has set his love upon you. Not the love that we have. Unconditional love. It's an everlasting love. And it draws us with a loving kindness. God's calling is never in vain. The men there that were sitting with the Lord Jesus in that upper room had each been called by him personally, collectively, personally, individually. Peter, Andrew and John and James, they, they were fishermen. Prepping boats. James and John were with the father, Zebedee. And they were called. Jesus called to them. Zebedee wasn't called. More so, we see that one of the twelve that was called, called by the Lord Jesus Christ, was a devil. Judas. How do we explain his calling? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ called him to office. He didn't call him to holiness. He called him to be the son of perdition, not to salvation. See, the Lord uses whom he chooses. You recall in John 13, verse 18, the Lord says to his disciples in the upper room, I speak, I speak not to you all. I know whom I have chosen. He knew that Judas had lifted his heel against him. And this brings out the depravity of each one of us, yet the Lord can call for a purpose, for a position. It brings out reprobation. And over being a reprobate, God has power to call. And yes, we, we will read that the Lord Jesus Christ had given them over to a reprobate mind and we sort of put them to one side. 
reprobation is not the opposite of election. Was Paul a, a reprobate when he was called upon the, that Damascus road? And he was called to be a chosen vessel. Romans one twenty eight. you see those people that were given over to a reprobate mind. Given over to a reprobate mind. But we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, when the Lord, when the Apostle Paul is addressing the church and he's talking about fornicators and adulterers, what is he saying? To the church gathered, to those that believe, such were some of you. The Lord Jesus Christ calls us, calls the vilest offender, the vilest offender from the darkness and depravity of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ called Judas. He knew that he would, he loved money more than he loved the Lord. And he knew that he would betray him even though he was by his side. And how awful when we see that betraying kiss. But yet, it had to take place. It was ordained to happen. A chosen place, a chosen time to accomplish. You see, God's calling is always accomplished. And the end with God is always in view. And the Lord knows the purpose and he knows them that are his. It's hard for for us to understand, but we are his creation. He's not ours. Many people have gods of their own creation, gods with a small g. God I speak of is holy and pure. And our creator. The tragedy is that natural man does not choose Christ Jesus. We do not choose him naturally. We have problems. Sin. The devil and the flesh and the world. It's all in us. The very fact that we have pride. It was pride that cast Satan from heaven itself, not given by God. And we always find, as it were, fault. We always find fault in things. Do we find fault more than forgiveness? But the love of God and God's ways, even when we were we're depraved and in the darkness of our sin. He loved us, those he chose, with an everlasting love. Adam and Eve gave us that devoidness, as it were, from naturally loving God. We can't naturally love him. We're born in our sin. And without new birth, without the Spirit of God, 
We are under the law of God without realisation. And each one of us without God in the darkness of our sin is under grace, common grace. Under the common grace of God every hour of our life and every day of our life. He gives us the air to breathe, doesn't he? And the water and all that we have. In judgment, he remembers mercy. We have common grace. God is rich in mercy. But we see his great richness revealed in those that he loves, his people. Even when you were dead in trespass in sin. Even when you were a reprobate, he loved you because he knew you. It's by grace that we're saved. Thank God for grace. The Lord is teaching his disciples that ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth, bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. The ye speaks of many, a vast multitude, which no man can number, only God. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, you, you. The you speaks that of the many, each one has been called individually, personally. Have you been called by God? Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We can recall when the Apostle Paul was in, in Philippi. Uh, there were many women by the river, as it were. And the Apostle Paul preached on the Sabbath day. We read that in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Out of all the women, it was only Lydia that responded. And why was that? Why was that? Because the Lord God had opened her heart. Without the work of God, she was naturally unable to respond. Out of the ye was the you, Lydia. At this time, God had chosen her. And yet, all would have seen Lydia respond outwardly. Not to the Lord's work in her heart, but they would have seen her respond outwardly. And her response would be the fruit of salvation. That's the fruit we're to, to bear faith and the fruit of our salvation. And her salvation was ordained by God. And it remained with Lydia throughout her earthly life. And I'm sure one day we will probably talk to Lydia in heaven itself. Because you cannot lose your salvation. God does not give and God does not take away. But we have to understand the right choosing of God when we see many people perhaps backslide, perhaps seemingly fall to God, fall away from God and we, we don't understand why. Well, we have to question as God chose them to salvation. They may have helped the church along the way in some way. Sometimes God just calls a 
a person for a purpose. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. The Apostle Paul, when he went to Corinth, and we look at that in Acts 18, there were a vast multitude of people. Timothy and Silas had come to join him. They'd come from Macedonia along with, good to come alongside a brother and strengthen a brother. Paul was reasoning with the Jews in the, in the Sabbath, uh, in the synagogues on the Sabbath day. It was hard. Corinth is a hard place. It's a, it, it was a big city, a port city. Many strange gods, many strange practices, full of sin. And yet, the Lord Jesus said to him, Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10, it says that Paul was not to fear. But he was to carry on, he was to go forth with sharing the preaching of the gospel. And why? In amongst all that? Well, the Lord was with him. It's good that we have our, the Lord with us through whatever circumstance we're in, when that task seems to hard. Can we do this? We don't do it in our strength. The Lord is with us. We do it in his strength. The Lord was with him. We must never forget that. And also, it is said, the Lord told him, I have much people in this city. In all that sinful city, he had positioned the, uh, the Apostle Paul to go and serve him there, for he had much people in that city. Not yet called by God. The gospel was to go forth and use that as a means of grace to bring people to him. See, many people, many people followed the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't they? A multitude followed him. But some just come to him for healing. Some come for feeding. Healing and feeding is it's good. We all like to be healed and we all like to be fed. But they didn't come to him for salvation. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 13, we, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus is up in the mountain. He'd been with the multitudes and he called his people. And we'll see there that when he called his people, they came. They came to him. When God calls, it's an irresistible call. It's a calling directly from the Lord. Have you been called by the Lord Jesus Christ? So many people come to him. The rich young ruler came to him. He, he kneeled. He had the posture. He kneeled before the Lord. He said, I've, I've kept all the commandments. But it's the Lord that knows the heart. What did he say to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10? Give up all your wealth. Give up what he truly, truly loved. Outwardly he had all this expression of religion, but inward his heart, had, he had no heart for the Lord. And that's where the Lord Jesus Christ works. That's where he, he opened Lydia's heart. Has he opened your heart? This rich young ruler turned away. Have you a heart that's stone? Or have you a heart that's Turn to flesh by the power of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in family. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We see in family, and Esau and Jacob were brothers, but the Lord chose Jacob. Brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers, husbands or wives, one may be called, but not the other. There is no reason in us. The reason is in him. Him who chooses. And we must never lose sight that we are his creation. We're thankful that comment for that common grace that he shows us. But we give thanks for that redemptive, that special grace. When he has mercy upon whom he will have mercy. But in closing, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that the fruit, that your fruit should remain. You may say that if God does all the choosing and has chosen me and I'm elected to salvation, then there's nothing I can do. I cannot change this. I'll live as I please. There is no passive salvation. There must be evidence of salvation as seen by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the fruit that is born on the branch of the vine. See, the very source of the fruit of our salvation is faith in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is kept, as it were, because he is by God, he is one with the Father, the husbandman. And we thank him that we receive faith to believe and bring forth fruit. If God has ordained you, he has set forth his love upon you. And he has set that love before the foundation of the world. We read that, we read that in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it, it, sorry, Ephesians 1. And in Ephesians 2, we read about predestination, foreknowledge. And choosing is a part of predestination, the foreknowledge of God, predetermined that though you may have been now or was separated from him by sin, that you will be called irresistibly, drawn by the pleasure of his goodwill, so if you feel anything of your sin this morning, if you have but a small, as it were, grain or seed of faith in Jesus Christ, then come to him now. Repent and believe on him. He will forgive you of your sins. And why will he receive you? Because he has chosen you. That's the goodness of God. And my friend, if you're bearing fruit of salvation, and it has been for many years, are you tired? Are you, are you weary? Are you withered? Are you bruised? As the fruit, as it were, is it no longer plump and healthy and firm? Would others look upon the fruit of your salvation and actually not want anything of that? Look to the vine. Look to the vine. Draw from the vine afresh. Cleave, as it were, like that fruit, ever closer to, to, the, to the vine. 
have total dependency upon that vine upon which holds you and, and keeps you. If you're going through great difficulties, the vine is ever growing and ever giving. And remember the vine is kept by the husbandman. They work continually. They grow continually. The husbandman who never sleeps, nor slumbers. But may I remind you that you are precious. A precious fruit. On that vine of Jesus Christ. Through showing forth your faith and salvation. Or receiving repentance and faith to him. Amen.